Hello, welcome to the English Podcast. I am Simon. And I'm Jamie. And we're back from our haters. Yay! Yay! Which means work. Yay! Somehow, Yay! I think. <laughs> but with that means we're getting a new guest on. So please welcome uh, Rick from uh, Starbase 66. Hello! Uh, also known as the Admiral. Hello! Greetings, folks. <laughs> or should um, I say hi, folks? <laughs> And we're going to be discussing with him a uh, Star Trek animated series. Don't don't turn off. Don't turn off. Because <laughs> it's the 45th anniversary of, of it today when we're recording this, even though it's going out three or four days after we've recorded this. You know, normal time travel crap that we always get confused about. Yeah. But never mind. So <laughs> what we're going to do with that is it's a celebration of it, obviously. We're going to talk about the influence that it had on the children and their interest in science fiction and stuff into adulthood, I think. I think that's what I said. Yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> sure. That sounds about right, I think that's what I... <laughs> You're fine, so <laughs> you got it. <laughs> We've forgotten how to do everything. We've had a month off and we've kind of gone, what, what? No, it can't be then. It, it is then. No! <laughs> no! And Get yeah, back into the swing of we're things again. again. Yeah. Takes a bit of time. So, a nice series. So... How do we think it influenced children to get in sci-fi? Uh, it didn't. That's a good start. That's a good start. Well, I know for for me, because I'm, you know, two days younger than God, um, it was the first Star Trek series that I actually watched as it aired. Um... So, it kept Star Trek alive for me. Uh, And I've heard a lot of people say that. Uh, I was doing some research and, and watching some uh, interviews and stuff for the show. And a lot of people who later went on to work on TNG, DS9, uh, Voyager, etc., uh, and especially Discovery, because uh, we're seeing a lot of, a lot of influences in uh, Enterprise and Discovery, because the people that grew up, that watched TAS, that may even have been their first Star Trek, uh, went on to become creators of Star Trek. And so they started working things in because there was the whole discussion of, is it canon? Is it not? Is it sort of canon? Is it yeah, not really? It's a um, really, it's a really stickler thing I've noticed. I said a lot of people just don't consider it canon, maybe because it's animated and I, I don't know, but a lot of people, as you say, and the fact that, um, you know, with the research studies you did, Rick, it said it was quite interesting because, you know, you had you had you did have responses from it, but it said people just said no, never watched it, or no, it didn't have any impact on me. But the fact is that in itself is quite telling, as you say. Um, you know, the fact that as you you know, because you know, obviously TOS ended late sixties, and obviously, you know, I think was it TOS was what was it was it mid seventies nineteen seventy three seventy three yeah. Um, and, you know, so that was only, what, a few years later. But, I mean, is any number of reasons kind of how influential it's been? Maybe maybe for people, it's because it was more aimed, as you say, it was aimed at kids and families. So for a lot of Star Trek fans, it just, it just as you say, just wasn't, it wasn't aimed specifically at them. I mean, it said it's quite interesting, the fact that it said, I mean, I wouldn't have known about it if, if Simon hadn't mentioned it to me. Because as you say, I watched. I think I think animated series. I think I actually watched. I think that was the last thing I actually ever watched. Um, and I've actually I've actually got it on DVD. I actually only watched it a few months ago, actually. Um, but it was really, really. I, I thought it was really good watching for it again. And it was, 
I enjoyed it. And yeah, it's specifically aimed at kids, but there's a lot of interesting stuff in there, which I think you, which any any Star Trek fan can kind of take away from it. Yeah, it um, a couple of years ago, I rewatched the the animated series. Uh, but are y'all familiar with Mission Log? I presume, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so as they got to the animated series, I was watching it along because. You know, there's there's something about the animated series that's there's just sort of this knee jerk negative reaction to it, uh, and I was very much in that camp as well. It was like, okay, yes, they did it in the '70s. It was a kids show. It was pretty silly, but it's all we had was kind of my my viewpoint on it. Um, and yes, there are some really stupid episodes in it. Um, although, if you look at some of the things they did in TNG, you know, I compare Rascals to the episode where all the crew was shrinking. Or the yeah. crew turned back into babies. Uh, <laughs> so, but compared to what else was on at that time, the anime, the Star Trek, the animated series was very, what, what like Dorothy Fontana, DC Fontana said, uh, and a couple of the other producers I saw interviews with, they said, we realized that um, the audience at the time wasn't just nine-year-olds. Um, it, it was their parents. It was their teenage siblings. It was, uh, you know, it was not only children. So rather than try to write a kid's show based on Star Trek, they just wrote Star Trek stories for a kid's show. And so, well, yes, you got, you know, silly things like, you know, the crew shrinking and getting stuck in barrels and it's raining or, uh, more, you know, giant tribbles, stuff like that. You also had episodes like Yesteryear, which delved into Spock's history in a very real way. I mean, mm. hell, uh, Aichaya dies in that episode. How many Saturday morning cartoons would kill a character? Exactly, uh, yeah. It was, you know, it was very grown up for a Saturday morning TV show. Uh, and one of the things the guys on Mission Log said that really hit home to me and, and kind of changed my view of it is that um, a lot of the stories you could easily see having been done in, TA, in uh, TOS, uh, except they would have been padded out to 42 minutes, and so there'd be a lot of extra stuff in there. Mm. Whereas the 22-minute format for the animated series meant there was very little filler. It was all just concentrated story. And, you know, as far as it being canon or not, yes, Gene said it isn't. And then a few years later, Paramount said, well, sort of it is. Uh, and then what started happening was as the people that grew up watched, watching the animated series started making Star Trek, they started slipping stuff in from the animated series to force it to be canon. A lot of yesteryear has now appeared in both Enterprise and uh, Discovery. So, um, so when you think about it, saying that, it seems as though the animated series has had, has had a lot more influential impact than maybe people realise. As you say, particularly those that said, watched it when they were younger and then they grew up actually, as you say, grew up and actually started making Star Trek themselves because of the animated series. So it seems to have had a cer certain huge impact on certain people by the sound of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know if, if you want to lament that there may still be a 50-foot Spock somewhere out there in the universe. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, yesteryear pretty much seems to be the one that's getting the most callbacks. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. I, I was a little disappointed when I heard there was going to be a new alien on, on Discovery. I was hoping it was going to be one of Eric's people, but uh, oh well. 
Um, <laughs> but we have seen the the um, what is Mress? Did they ever say what she is? Caucasian? Um, I can never pronounce that. Yeah. Uh, I've got I've got the C A I T I A N. That's it, Cassian. Cassian, yeah, sounds like Cassian, yeah. Um, that's right. And in the you know, now, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna reference J J Abrams here. Um, (laughs) That's fine. I I honestly don't. What what is y'all's take on on the Kelvin verse? How do y'all feel about it? It's Star Trek. It's Star Trek. I enjoy it. I've got I don't mind it. I've quite enjoyed the Kelvin timeline films personally. Okay. So, because um, we we we've seen her people twice in one once in Star Trek six or was it four? You know when I, uh, I dare say it might be five. That horrible bar scene. <laughs> was it that? Uh, I'm I'm thinking no 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 no. It was it was the, where where the, the crew was exonerated and there and there's like the whole room full of people clapping. It was four. That's right. It was the end of four. Yeah. Uh, she was just one of the one of it was like a cat person in a Starfleet uniform applauding, because of course there's always applause in a courtroom. That's it. Where they have the screening of Star Trek Three, where they re-show the shots of the Enterprise uh, being blown up in on uh, in orbit of Genesis. You know, with the bit um, kind of yeah, I know the bit you mean. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Get all uh, their but also there. we have uh, you know Chris Pine's Captain Kirk uh, in bed with a couple of cat women. Uh, <laughs> And uh, as, as I said to a friend of mine, because uh, I, uh, y'all mentioned it, uh, I put out on Facebook last night just asking folks what their <laughs> their uh, take or what their what what influence, if any, TS had on them. And uh, one of my friends says it introduced him to being a furry at far too young an age, um, <laughs> or introduced him to what furries were at far too young an age. And, and I just said, you know, let let he who has not fantasized about rest <laughs> throw the first stone. <laughs> so. Um, I, you know, but I, I have to admit, I was having trouble finding any influences outside of the Star Trek universe, um, other than just people, it being part of the Star Trek continuum. And so, you know, in 1960 or 1970-ish, uh, the people at Paramount re-ran the numbers on the on the the uh, uh, the ratings that Star Trek the original series had gotten and at that point demographics had come into play because from just just raw numbers Star Trek was a failure and they canceled it and then once they ran it through the prism of demographics and they realized that they were totally nailing their desired audience of men between the age of what was it 24 and 45 or something like that um they realized, as as the article I read put it, they shot the go- the goose that laid the golden eggs. Um, <laughs> they had they looked into trying to revive the show, but like two like a month previously, they'd finally gotten rid of all of the sets and everything, and it would have just cost a ridiculous amount of money to bring it back. Um, so when uh, the idea of the animated series came up, they jumped on it, and. I think the biggest influence that had, whether you would like the, sh- uh, the stories or not, was that it kept Star Trek alive in the, the the popular culture long enough for investors to see, hey, maybe we should do more with this show than just a Saturday morning cartoon. Mm. Maybe led on to Phase 2. Mm-hmm. Put into development. Absolutely. Which led There's... on to um, motion picture. Mm-hmm. 
So I said, maybe without the animated series, we wouldn't have actually had the motion picture or any of the original series films. It's possible. Uh, you know, that's that's a hard call to make because Star Trek was really kicking ass in syndication at the time. Mm. Um, uh, you know, you know that's how I first saw Star Trek, as far as I recall, um, was watching it at four o'clock on, on my babysitter's little 13 inch black and white TV <laughs> screen uh, coming out of Channel 22 in Massachusetts, Springfield. <laughs> um, and all stat, you know, it was funny. It was all black and white and, and the reception wasn't great. It was, it was always staticky and fading in and out and stuff, but I was glued to that screen. And uh, do you all know what Viewmasters are? It was um, like a... I think yeah. so. I, I think I know what you mean. Um, it's like a pair of binoculars. A, a circle thing. Yeah, circle exactly. With, um, like film cells in it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's... It, it, yeah, and it gives you like a 3D because it's, it's got the two... It's got one in each eye, so it gives you a 3D view. And I had the Viewmaster of um, the Omega Glory. Oh. And so... Well, granted, that's not one of the best episodes TOS ever did. <laughs> um, it was the only chance I got to see any Star Trek in like full color and nice and clear without static and stuff <laughs> for the longest time. And I must have wore that disc out. <laughs> Just, I don't um, blame you. <laughs> did everyone know Spock helmets? Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> 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 Don't bring that thing up when I'm drinking coffee. Uh, <laughs> no, I did not have one of the Spock helmets. I, I, I think I saw one once, and I was, uh, you know, as a child, I was a very literal creature, and so things like the Gold Key comics uh, or some of those awful toys just really messed with me because they, they just didn't fit. And you know, I've been a very unwilling canonista my whole life. Uh, not that I'm like, you must follow canon, you must do what, you know, you must obey what you set up. I, but it's just, I, there had to be this logic for me to follow. And so if you've ever seen any of the Gold Key comics, or if you, are you familiar with them? Uh, a little bit, I think. Okay, back in the, back in the, the early 70s and the late 60s, um, Gold Key was doing Star Trek comics, and they were being made in England. They were being drawn and written in England from scripts they didn't even see the show they had some some bait you know they had an, they knew what the ship looked like from the outside they knew what the uniforms looked like and they had a rough idea of what the characters looked like and that was it and so things like you know they would draw flames shooting out of the warp nacelles or uh you know i think uhura was was blonde for a while it, it just you know the they never saw the show before they were making these comics. And so the stories made no sense. The stories didn't fit in anything. The interior of the ships looked completely wrong. Uh, I think Spock was very emotional. It, it just, they, and you look at it now and it's quaint and it's amusing and stuff. But as a, as a 10 year old, I was trying to figure out what the hell these things were because my dad would buy them for me. Like here, I got you a Star Trek comment. And I start looking at it. I was like, what the f- is this? <laughs> But yeah, that helmet thing. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had I a few know. of the Star Trek toys growing up, but never that helmet. <laughs> you know, it's, it's actually quite interesting what you were saying earlier, Rick, about the making. I said not making Star Trek, but not you know not specifically just for kids, as you say, putting in the content that they had. 
And, you know, if you think about some animations these days, a lot of them are like that. Yeah, there's stuff in there for kids, but some of the animations I've seen, there's some very grown-up stuff in there you wouldn't expect to normally see, you know? So I said, think the fact that the animated series did that for that time is quite it's quite bold, I think. Um, well, you know, the fact that they had only, was it, 22 minutes of an episode to put stuff in, and actually, you know, because they had to, had to get to the point, they couldn't, like put stuff in there or fill it out you know they had to said be direct and to the point with things yeah and uh you know it it is interesting that the if the 70s cartoons were in general a lot more i don't want to say grown up but less all right i don't want to disparage an entire decade of cartoons <laughs> but the 80s cartoons sucked they were all just infomercials for toys <laughs> <laughs> So I guess I did just disparage an entire decade. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in the 70s, we had things like Johnny Quest and Star Trek and uh, uh, the Herculoids and stuff like that. And Stup Superman, the, the animated adventures, of the original Superman the, uh, cartoons, which I have the DVD right here. And I love it <laughs> <laughs> um, where they weren't they were violent. patronizing. They, they, yeah, they weren't patronizing. They were violent. But they were they were violent with consequences, you know. Have y'all ever heard of Johnny Quest? Mm. It was one of my favorite shows growing up uh, as a kid, and it was about uh, Johnny, who was this little blonde boy, which I was a little blonde boy, and uh, and his horribly racially insensitive sidekick Haji, <laughs> and all the bad guys were either inscrutable Asians or evil Russians. You know, there, there was a lot that wasn't very nice about seventy the seventies, but things I really appreciated about them was that they didn't shy away from grown-up topics of like kidnapping and, and environmental dangers and, and you know sometimes it was just silly it was just mummies and monsters and aliens and stuff like that um, but if somebody got shot they bled or died uh, or if you dropped a you know beamed someone into a wall I guess they never did that but uh, <laughs> um, you know they didn't shy away from the fact that violence had consequence that actions had consequence um and i always appreciated that as i grew older because uh you know once you got into the 80s you started having things like gi joe and, and and stuff were just you know crates of ammunition expended and no one gets a scratch and i i i can't help thinking that that might have created a a, a situation for uh adults going on where they they don't necessarily equate violence with consequence or or actions with consequence i'm not saying that that excuses anything but i like to think that maybe star trek helped pioneer some of that mm. or i helped no that came out completely backwards <laughs> i think you know star trek kind of helped mitigate some of that if you mm. if you were watching star trek you saw that you had to be responsible for what you were doing because there wasn't going to be a the more you know little blurb at the you know at the end of the the massive violence that nobody gets hurt in. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think you know I think animated series is, is a great way to get your child into Star Trek. As I said, it has it's a cartoon which you know I'm not saying kids are like all cartoons, but you know it, it, it's educational as you say. It teaches them about to be responsible. So I think it's it's a good kind of role model really you could say for children, which, is, which yeah. can be a, a very positive influence. I have tried to get my little girl to watch it. Um, she very patiently indulged me one day, and we watched like three episodes. Uh, she she was six at the time. She's seven now. Um, 
and she she doesn't like it yet. Mm. Um, she's still a little young, and it's it's still a little, as she says, too much talking. <laughs> um, Maybe in a few years, you might yeah, she might think differently. Who knows? Although it was very interesting because we watched. Um, Oh, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was, uh, oh, that uh, the, the survivor, and it it was that's the episode where they they find this woman's dead husband who was supposed to be this like celebrity philanthropist. Everybody loved him, and and they find him out in space, and uh, then it turns out he's actually an alien shape shifting to pretend to be this guy. And um, but at one point, McCoy mentions his daughter, and it's the only on-screen reference that McCoy ever had a daughter. And Sharon turned to me and she said, that is so nice that he has a family. And I was like, wow, you caught that. That's really cool. Because, mm. um, you know, I think she was used to cartoon characters just, just being there for the moment and then gone. And she was, and it just, it just, it had an impact on her that McCoy had a daughter. Yeah, that's just... Mm. Mm-hmm. Because as you say, I mean, when you watch stuff like that, you've got no idea what you're going to... People pick up on different things. Things that just might, might not stand out to you, but might stand out to them. Yeah. You know, and, and they mention it, and it's like, oh, hang on, that's a good point. Or, you know, I didn't, you know, didn't realise that, or whatever, whatever it is, yeah. Now, have you guys watched the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, how long ago? For me, it was it was said it was a few months ago. I think it was when you were away, wasn't it, Sorry, Because I put up a, if I recall, I put up a Facebook post about it. I don't, I don't know because I was away, so I, I yeah. don't know. Okay. <laughs> right, I, I did, I did. <laughs> but yeah, it was whilst whilst Simon was away, so I think it would have been May time. So it's yeah, a few months ago. And how did you, uh, you know, just unvarnished? How did you like it? I really enjoyed it. I mean, I liked it the first time I watched it, but I really quite enjoyed watching it through the second time. As you say, it's. It, it's very much different from everything else, but that's not a bad thing. So I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't like, you know, there are some episodes there where I was like, oh, God, no, but I enjoyed watching <laughs> it. I enjoyed okay. watching it. So, and, you know, it's it's kind of watching it now. I mean, obviously, I, obviously I wasn't around then, but I didn't feel silly watching it. I didn't feel like a kid watching it, as you say, because it has that it has that kind of tone to it. So that is very grown up. So I didn't feel like silly at all in watching it. I said I quite enjoyed it. And what about you, Simon? Uh, it's been a couple of years, I think, since I watched it. But I, I think you know, it's always said about the live action ones. Kind of, they are what they are, and you just got to watch it and enjoy it for what it is, and just kind of go. It's a, it's a animated show. It's like, even if you don't put the label of kids show on it, it's still quite a good watch. Just to kind of go, actually, it's quite cool. Just another excuse to watch more of the original series crew doing what they do best, and kind of with just a few more things that we didn't get to see on the live show. Just kind of, here's their aqua shuttle for some reason. Here's their massive shuttle for some reason. Oh, look, there's a giant <laughs> spark. We'll never show that on cam, but it's there if you want to know it's there. It's like, it's, if you want to seek that out, go and seek that out. But if you don't want to, don't. It's fine. It's, it's You're not going to miss much, but... I always quite like... Great. I always quite like the aqua shuttles, actually, to be honest. I don't know why. I just thought it was quite cause like, oh, aqua shuttles, that never happened in the original series. So... <laughs> So yeah, I, I like, like yeah. it. Sorry. You know what was what was funny to me when I rewatched the show was um, how visceral rewatching it was for me because uh, uh, things like the music. Now I've been trying to find. 
I, I've always assumed that they didn't use the original music for, for monetary reasons. And I, I cannot find anything to either refute or confirm that. Um, but I had forgotten the music from the, from the animated series until I started watching it. And it was just, every note was burned into my memory in <laughs> brain cells that I hadn't used in 30 years. Because uh, as, as a kid, I was kind of puzzled. Like, why aren't they, you know, that's not the Star Trek music. But uh, also that pretty much went away pretty quickly and just started watching the show. I, I remember my brother, I, my, my brother's two years younger than me. And it was one of the few Saturday morning shows that we agreed on. Now, kids, back in the day, we all had one TV set in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to, we had to kind of make deals over which show we would watch at any given time. Uh, on Saturday morning because there were shows he liked and shows I liked and often they were on at the same time on two different channels. Uh, but Star Trek was one we never we never disagreed about. Um, but we used to... There, there were lines from the show that, I, again, I had forgotten until I rewatched it. Things like, Kirk to Entity! <laughs> or, uh, which was just... You gotta appreciate Shatner if for no other reason he was never afraid to sound like an idiot. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, the, the episode Bem... Uh, the the line assistance is offered. Uh, my brother and I will still use that line at each other from time to time. Um, you know, it, it just it was so. It left such an impression that I wasn't even aware it was there, and I have to wonder how many people out there, if they sat down and watched the show for the first time in thirty years or whatever, would have that same experience. Who knows? I mean, maybe they definitely would. I mean, one of the other things I, I kind of always liked as well about it is the fact that they said they got some of the original series actors to do the voices of the, the, of the characters they've already played. So I think that kind of added that kind of authenticity to it. So, you know, yeah. if, you, if, you're, if not, you're... Sorry, go on. They're not James Doohan in a studio for however long. <laughs> well, he had, a, he had a history of that from TOS as well. Um, there were a lot of voices. Uh, Charlie Evans parents but the man was was jimmy doing i think that trelane's parents uh, were, were also was also jimmy doing um you know he did a lot of voices uh, a lot of voiceover work which made him some extra bucks and saved the productions a lot of bucks because they didn't have to bring in a completely separate person um you know roddenberry was nothing if not let's use the word frugal <laughs> to be nice um because that was the, the the one thing that's always baffled me is, uh, you know, they brought in everybody but to, but uh, uh, Walter Koenig. Now I know they didn't want to bring in Michelle Nichols or George Takei, and Roddenberry said he or uh, Nimoy said he wouldn't do it if they weren't there. But it's it just seems to me that did they really save that much by leaving out one more person with would. Bringing Kane again had made that much of a difference, but I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, but at least they gave him a chance to write, and he wrote the ultimate, the the infinite Vulcan. He wrote the fifty foot Vulcan episode. <laughs> so uh, that was the beginning of his writing career. Whether it was auspicious or not, your mileage may vary. <laughs> but yeah, they also brought in Roger C. Carmel to to replay uh, Mud in in uh, what was it Mud's. Was it Mud's Passion? That sounds about right. Uh, Mud's Passion, yep. And uh, um, 
Oh, the dude that played Cyrano Jones came back for for uh, more tribbles, more troubles. Um, now, do it. They did not bring back uh, Stanley William... Adams. Hmm? Stanley yeah. Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not bring back oh, what's it? The guy that played Koloff. Uh, and did that voice. William Campbell. Oh, William Campbell. No, not William yeah. Campbell. That's somebody. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, there's two William Campbell, so yeah. and then there's the one from um, Next Gen, I think. Yeah. I wrote um, a question about it, so I, yeah, it's one of those odd oddities where you go, really? Yeah, <laughs> it's real. And um, David Jarrett played Carax in More Tribbles, More Troubles. Oh, really? Okay. There you are, just to, yeah. because yeah. I'm on Trekcore and just yeah, mentioned it, and it's <laughs> like, I can answer those. <laughs> And of course, the the you know my favorite, not, apropos of nothing, but I just anytime the animated series comes up, I love to talk about this. How uh, Schleimer, Schimer, what's his name? Any uh, the, the executive producer of the show was colorblind, and nobody realized that yeah. <laughs> until they started noticing like Klingons wearing pink. Because to him, pink looked like gray, and so like the, the Kazinti had pink starships, and the Klingons were wearing pink tunics, and and. Uh, I think that makes part of the charm, though, for some reason. I don't know why. It's just one of those real oddities, but it actually adds to the charm of the series, at least for for me. I'd agree with, yeah. so I'd agree with that. It never even dawned on me until I until someone brought it up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess, I guess the Tribbles were pink." I just just figured, you know, the Saturday morning cartoon and everything is of some kind of bright, awful color. Um, but you know, they also dealt with things like. Uh, in the magic, the magics of Magus Two. However, you feel about the episode, uh, the the writer wanted to have the crew meet God, and the network said no, but you can have them meet the devil. They went, all right, <laughs> good alternative. Yeah. So, but I think that's also another thing as well. You know, go back to what I was saying about the getting the original actors. If you if you've got if you're getting your child into Star Trek and they like the animated series, and then so you get him into the TOS Nets, they go, Oh, I recognise that voice. So you know, that's instantly something that they recognise, which I think is a good thing as well. Yeah. It is a little difficult watching it now just because, you know, as a kid, I never realised just how many of the voices were Nichelle Nichols and, and Majel Barrett. <laughs> Pretty much all of the women. Mm. Uh, with a couple of exceptions, were, were them, um, and now it really stands out. But it, again, it's still great. They got they got extra work out of it. Exactly as you say, the amount of money that they save as well by using the, the original actors. I mean, cause that's the thing about Star Trek. They always try and save money where they can. With as you say, whether it's that or with sets or whatever, isn't it? So, well, it's the, it's the same thing with the music. Um, the composer of the music was uh, a dude by the name of Ray Ellis. Who went? Who used the pseudonym Yvette Blaze, which was actually his wife's name? Um, he was Filmation's kind of go-to composer, so he wrote all the music for the show, and mm. then they wouldn't have to pay extra royalties. Uh, you know, and it's also you know well known that Alexander Courage and Gene Roddenberry didn't exactly get along too well. Um, no, it's just actually big up Ray because actually I'm doing. Um... I'm doing absolute, every year we do something called Absent Friends where we go through people that have passed who have worked on Star Trek and actually I think that was one of the names I literally did literally a couple of days ago so <laughs> Is that Alexander Courage? 
No, no. Was it Ray Ellis? Was oh, it? Ray Ellis, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the names I did literally a couple of days ago. So just, <laughs> just as you bought the name, I was like, oh, I literally just, I literally just looked at that name. <laughs> yeah, he passed away in 2008. Wow. Mm. A while ago. Sorry, that's my dog yeah, announcing so that <laughs> something's out there, probably so, uh, b- a squirrel. That's why noise is always sad that sometimes <laughs> happens. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so um, what other influences do we think the animated series had or didn't have on, on children growing up? Open mind, because I think there was one about... Oh, why did I close that? About uh, Mayan, meeting Mayan um, god, wasn't it? Gwyn... Yeah, that was uh, sharper than a serpent's tooth. And I think that brought religion as well in there, and I think that's quite given them an open mind as uh, the religions things that are out there. Yeah, well, that absolutely. was that was one of Roddenberry's. Oh, sorry, go ahead. That's no, so what I said. Absolutely, that was all. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> um, you know, meeting quote unquote gods and finding out that they were just powerful aliens was kind of a Roddenberry trope. Um, yeah, you know, we did it with Apollo and and uh, the Magics of Megas Two when they meet uh, Lucian, or you know, in Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth where they meet Quetzalcoatl. Um, is it Quetzalcoatl? And, I... and the one we don't want to talk about, but it existed Star Trek Five meeting God. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kukul Khan. That's not. That's right. It was not Quetzalcoatl. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, uh, that part of Star Trek V was fine. Um, although, everything leading <laughs> up to it. <laughs> that that I could go off on for a while, but I shan't. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what you brought me here for. So are we go off on tangents. It's coming out. It's not. <laughs> I just, it just, you know, okay. Everybody, whenever Star Trek V comes up, everybody's like, quotes the line, what does God need with a, sh- a starship? Great line. Well, it's ex- you know, perfect. But wouldn't, why didn't that occur to him before they got a little bit of, middle of the galaxy? Anyway. Then you don't have a plot. I know, I know. <laughs> and and, and have, you heard, have you heard, now that, that Shatner's new book is out and he's still whining about how it wasn't his fault that Star Trek V was a pile of <laughs> triple shit. <laughs> Star Trek V, Shatner's finest hour. It's just, you know, no one has ever said, you know what, Star Trek V would have been great if there had been a fight with rock monsters, but otherwise it just was, no. Anyway, sorry. Just <laughs> <laughs> say so we go on tangents And lot, breathe. And breathe. <laughs> and breathe. <laughs> Yeah, so, you, what was you saying? Who, <laughs> oh, me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh I, so I, Serpent's Tooth, you're talking about... Um, about uh, Ancient was, mind legend that was yeah. Klikan. Yeah. And how that was, that was a, you know, Roddenberry, yeah. Roddenberry was a humanist. He was, you know, he was a secular humanist. Um, and so he, you know, he took great pleasure... Well, maybe okay. That makes it sound a little more. Not that he took great pleasure. He showing that religion is kind of a, a quaint a dog. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I never get a chihuahua. <laughs> no 
Um, uh, not the dog I wanted. He, he, I, I love my dog very much, but that's okay. We, we, we told our little girl she could have a dog for Christmas, and we went to a, a, a went to a, a, a rescue thing. They had a big puppy adopting thing, and so we went. And I said, no purse dogs, no yappy dogs, no chihuahuas. We came home with the tiniest little chihuahua you've ever seen because my word has great weight in this house. <laughs> and then he's he's now 14 pounds of chihuahua. Uh, he's, we, we found out he's, he's a chihuahua mini pincher mix, so he's just the world's biggest goddamn chihuahua. And he's, he's adorable. He is the sweetest dog to us. Anything or anyone else, he's a total douchebag. <laughs> so, and if you own a Chihuahua, you probably understand, know what I'm talking about. It, anyway, wow, nothing to do with. Uh, here, I'll give a nice silence if you want to edit that out. <laughs> That's fun. It's fun. So we go off on tangents sometimes. Okay, um, but yeah, you know, Roddenberry was, was all about. Roddenberry was all about portraying religion as this quaint, outmoded idea that we no longer needed, especially by his future. And encountering ancient gods that, that you know, was, was sort of, he did that a lot. Um, maybe, you know, for some, a little too often, I don't disagree. Um, you know, well, that's with, the thing. I mean, uh, you know, I have to say, uh, that's partly why I got off a bit of a tangent, but it's still kind of relevant. That's partly why I quite like Deep Space Nine, where religion is actually... Again, I know that's not Rod, what people call Roddenberry Trek, but religion was, I think, it was, it was seen as more important. I think it was that it wasn't seen as, like I said, it was it wasn't seen as antiquated. It was actually, well, actually, hang on a second here. You know, the, the, like I said, the prophets, so, you know, they, they bring up a good point here, or whatever it is. It's, it's the episode some really like, it's called Destiny, where um, a Vedic makes a prediction, or say a prediction, but it's like in the text, and it actually comes true. And, you know, it, it wasn't just a side host and Disco was obviously was very sceptical at first thinking oh you know we can explain this away with science but actually by then it was like well actually hang on a second there might be more to this than meets the eye so yeah just say I've always quite liked about this but it's not yeah it was you know they took well and it, okay I don't think that DS9 is is the departure from Star Trek that some people do I've I it's not my favorite series, but it's it's certainly by no, no means my least favorite. And I like how they tied the Bajoran religion into uh, an actual race of beings who seemed godlike to the populace, but are just you know they they live in a different time exist. Uh, they have a different temporal existence, and so future, past, it's all the same to them. So. You know, prophecy for them is just remembering what happened or remembering what will happen, kind of sort of a Merlin thing. Um, so it, it actually the most magical thing about DS9 that always bothered me was Odo. But, uh, you know, the religion part of it, I thought was pretty cool how they they made it practical while still keeping it mystical. Mm. And they and the, there was that dichotomy of, you know, the Federation says wormhole aliens. We say prophets. Cisco's like, I don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> kind of both. Um, that that was one of the, the things about DS9 I really enjoyed was that how masterfully they walked that line. Mm. And by the way, I just I, I 
I like Rene Auvergenois. I loved his portrayal of Odo. I just found the mechanics of Odo to be very problematic for a Star Trek series. Fair enough. <laughs> Conservation of mass was thrown out the window. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I said what you said about the animated series. Yeah, it's just like kind of the religion, as you say, kind of as it's seen. It's it said it is seen as kind of antiquated and that kind of thing. Which you know, it's fair enough. That's 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 you know, it's what Roddenberry wanted. That's that's fair enough. But as I said, I think it's quite. You know, important to realise. However, you kind of feel about religion. Some people said take great comfort in it, and it is part of part of their lives. And I think to kind of, I think to kind of, you know, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to believe in that religion or be part of that religion. But as you say, just have it, just sit, have an open mind, as you say. Um, yeah. As know. long as your religion doesn't threaten the enterprise, forcing Jim Kirk to utterly destroy it forever, <laughs> it should be fine. You're yeah. fine. <laughs> Because we got Landrew, Val, Apollo. <laughs> Just being Pokemon. separate examples, yeah. <laughs> okay, this this I'm sure you'll, you'll have to cut out. I'm I was a little worried we'd hit this wall because I couldn't find much on this subject beyond just talking about the show. So I'm not quite sure where to go from this point. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I think you know, it said. The fact that I said it just hasn't had as much of an influence as you say, it's very telling in itself. And in a way, it's just it's just quite a shame. It said it's, you know, I think it's I think it's something that people, yeah, I think I think people should give it a chance. I think it's something that everyone should at least try to watch. If if it's not your thing, fair enough, you've tried it, that that that's fine. But just to kind of just just missing oh it's animated or it's not canon, you know, that trying to watch, it, I just think. It's, yeah, that's your decision. That's fair enough. But I just think it's just good, just a good thing, just to give it a go. If if nothing else, it's better than a lot of the novels I've tried to read. Mm. Um, you know, if, if you don't want to accept it as canon, which uh, you know we we could discuss that a little bit if you want. About <sighs> lately, there has been, especially since Discovery came out. Now, I, I don't know what's your what's y'all's take on Discovery. I quite enjoy it. I think I think coverage really good. I said I, I've quite quite enjoyed it for what it is. Um, you know, I mean, at this point, I've not I've not really placed any judgments in terms of how it's fitting with canon or anything. Because as you say, at this point, I think I think it's probably a little bit too early to say, really. At least, in, at least in my opinion, anyway. Mm-hmm. Simon, have you seen it? Yeah, I've watched it. I, I don't mind it. I'm just. I'm watching it. I'm just. I don't quite know what to make of it at this point, but okay, fair enough. Watch it. I think this is a bit of an oddity in some strange ways, but I I would. I'm not going to watch it because it's you know all the rubbish that you get. Just (laughs) so watch it. I don't know. It's a very odd thing, and it's kind of up to date, but it's it doesn't quite add up with the canon that we've already got. But oh, hopefully that all gets solved in time. I don't know. Yeah, they, well, they keep promising they will. Um, okay, the, the reason I ask is, you know, I, and I just wanted to know basically where y'all stand on the show. I love it. I, I think it's great. Um, yes, there are some issues I have with it. Simon, I'm sure that you and I are in the same boat, given that we both love the ships, that we both love Starfleet hardware, that the ships are probably the hardest thing to swallow, at least for me it is, especially when they said it was a D7, and that was no fucking D7. 
<laughs> you know, don't if you know if you're gonna say what it is, <laughs> don't say it's something it's not. Um, <laughs> Worst mistake you can make. Yeah, <laughs> just don't say it's a, anything, and I'll be fine. Calling that thing a D seven pissed me <laughs> off. But um, anyway, uh, never there has become cake. <laughs> there has become this movement amongst people that really object to discovery that basically can be boiled down to canon is what the fans want it to be and that is just not true canon such as it even exists which even as a concept doesn't really it isn't real um but well no it's not that's the thing canon is whatever the people who are making the show say it is and a lot of fans have decided that canon is subjective, and it isn't. Canon is, you know, uh, um, Michael Kudo, when he made the, the, the Star Trek Encyclopedia, which is a wonderful tome if you don't have it yet. Um, uh, actually, no, I think it goes back even further to the, 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 the first um, TNG tech manual. Uh, said, canon is what has been shown on the screen. And a couple of uh, officially authorized reference books. So if it's been on the screen, either on TV or movies, it's canon. If so it's in you... a, go ahead, go on. Um, if it's in a manual, you know, like the original Starfleet Tech Manual, which I I have, uh, you know, the TOS one, which is wonderful, lots of fun. There's a lot of stuff in it that's spot on. There's a lot of stuff in it that was speculative. It's a great book. It's a lot of fun. Not canon. The original Enterprise Blueprints that I have two copies of. Beautiful. I used to just spend hours just looking through them. And, you know, I could find my way through the Enterprise just fine right now. Not canon. Um, doesn't make them any less fun. Doesn't make it any, you know, more interesting. Doesn't make the drawings any, any less wonderfully artistic. But it is not an actual representation of the quote-unquote real interior of the Enterprise. Um, Discovery is canon. If you don't like it, that's fine. If you don't, you know, if it's not your thing, that's groovy. Um, my, my problem is not with people disliking Discovery. My problem is people were saying Discovery isn't canon, Discovery isn't Star Trek. You shouldn't like Discovery if you're a Star Trek fan. Wrong. <laughs> um, the animated series is where we get into the sort of that gray area because Gene Roddenberry famously said that, that the animated series is not canon. He later sort of qualified it with, if I had known there, were there would be more live-action Star Trek coming down the pike, I would have been more uh, uh, narrow with what I allowed to go out in the, in the animated series. And that, I think that's, that's a fair statement. Um, but then after Gene passed away, Paramount sort of cracked the door a little bit, said, well, it's sort of canon. And then, you know, as I said earlier, that now you've got writers putting stuff from the animated series into what's going on the screen, making it canon. You know, things like Tiberius came from the animated series. Kirk's middle name was never spoken uh, in the original series. It wasn't until the animated series that it got mentioned. Um the holodeck came from the animated series. It was in the, the episode The Practical Joker was the first time. It wasn't called a holodeck. It was just called the rec room. And, of course, it went bad. <laughs> Tried to kill people. Um, 
Oh, what was the other? Um, Robert April as the original captain of the Enterprise came from the animated series. Uh, you know, it, it just and so canon. Sorry, I've lost my point, or did I make my point and I just kept going? <laughs> well, the thing, what you said, what you're saying is, as you say, it's, if you think of canon in terms of what you've seen, then animated surely that counts. But obviously, Gene didn't at the time, and then Paramount of course, as you say, it's tricky because you know maybe that's one of the reasons why it's not had as has has much of an influence because a lot of Star Trek fans see canon as, as a subjective concept, not actually a concept of what you see on the screen or whatever is canon. So maybe that's partly, partly where that kind of why the animated series itself, and possibly because Gene said it as well, it hasn't yeah. had as much influence because of that reason. Maybe. Well, one one, and this may be an advantage. I don't know. I'm trying to find reasons why being 54 is a good thing. <laughs> I've I've watched Star Trek reinvent itself five six times now. Um, you know, when the animated series came out, I was too young to care, and I was just happy to get more Trek. But it was still, and it was the Trek I recognized, and it was the voices I knew. But when TNG came out, I was one of those, uh, I was one of those, um, if it's not Kirk and Spock, it's not Star Trek. And then Encounter at Farpoint came out, and I watched it, and I was like, see? Crap! Garbage! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I didn't watch the first two seasons. And then somehow, I, uh, somewhere in the middle of season two, I think somebody made me watch Measure of a Man. And that's where I started going, all right, well, maybe this isn't too bad. And then by season three, I was hooked. Um, I've since gone back and rewatched all of them. And seasons one and two still aren't very good. But, um, you know, it was different. And as Star Trek fans, we should be more open to change than we are. But sometimes we tend to be very rigid, Mm. which is something that I've learned to get over. Um, because I am a superior human being. No, because I've I've kind of been forced to. You know, you have a choice. You either take what they're giving you and enjoy it, Mm. or you do what I did for the first two years of TNG and go, I don't want anything to do with this. It's crap. It's garbage. I like my old stuff. I can certainly relate. I can certainly relate, because I said I I used to be quite like that. I mean, these days, me, me, particularly me, we... So we try and be objective about Star Trek, about every episode, even the ones we don't like. We go, okay, well, maybe we don't like this episode, but there's always something there's always something interesting or good in there if you look for it. Yeah. The worst episode of... Watching the worst episode of Star Trek is, for me, better than most other things in the world. So, you know, it, it's... And Star Trek is... Ne- well, okay, I won't say never. Uh... Even at its worst, Star Trek is still... You're seeing people you love in a, in, a, in a universe you love, maybe not necessarily doing things the way you want them to. You know, we, it, we talk about Star Trek V being terrible, and yes, it is. It is objectively a bad movie. But you um, still watch it. But it's, you know... I would still rather watch that than, than the latest Tom Cruise thing or, uh, you know, White Chicks or, you know. I think we, you know. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to go off on a, on a rant that I've done a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> um, TAS gets a lot of flack that it doesn't deserve. And most of the time it's from people. 
most of the time it's from people who either haven't seen it or haven't seen it in ages. Um, or went into it going, I've heard this is terrible, let's confirm that. Um, but like you say, Rick, I've been thinking why I've been testing, and it's like, it reminds me of Tapestry, because it's all the things that you said were mentioned in TAS, is that think of the threads that the uh, real like real proper shows have built on mm -hmm. so there's no ways you can go oh that's not canon that's that didn't happen because they've built on it so it must exist otherwise they wouldn't have built on it and i think the sort of thing is that ts hasn't had the same thing that say ds9 had because jamie jamie knows this i when ds9 came out i didn't watch it that's true didn't yeah. get it and it took me getting the DVDs in, what, early 2000s, maybe late 2000s, before I finally went, actually, it's pretty good. And it's just weird that animated series hasn't had that same thing happen to it, era, like a renaissance where everyone's gone, gone back to it and gone, actually, that's pretty damn good now. Yeah, it is a shame. Um, again, I think it's because it's so easy to write it off as a kid's show or you know, as a kiddies show to make it even more diminutive and, and dismissive. Um, and, maybe, and I don't think... Oh, sorry, maybe that renaissance is coming because aren't we going to be getting a, a new animated show? So maybe that renaissance may be coming up soonish. Thank you for mentioning that. I meant to bring that up earlier and then got lost in my rants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the, the possibilities, you know, recently Alex Kurtzman announced that there were going to be several new Star Trek shows being done on CBS All Access. Uh, one involves Jean-Luc Picard, which everybody's losing their minds about, rightfully so. Um, <laughs> but there's also been mention of a possible animated series. Now, a few years back, I, don't, I think back it was in the 90s, maybe. Well, maybe it was in the early that 2000s. Yeah, I think it was the early 2000s, maybe. There was a proposal for an animated series that the artwork looked amazing. Uh, it was kind of along the lines of like the, the Batman-Superman stuff. Um, you know, the Batman the Animated Series and the Superman the Animated Series, that style of animation. Um, that was supposed to be taking place post-Nemesis. Uh, and it never got oh, off. That's surprised. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. sounds familiar from somewhere. <laughs> um, and I was really looking forward to that. I, I, and it just, it just, nobody picked it up. So I think animation is a great venue for Star Trek. Uh, especially if it's in addition to other live-action stuff. I think maybe another problem that the animated series had was it was the, the only thing the only Star Trek happening at the time. And there may have been a bit of a, an attitude of the only place we could find that would touch Star Trek would be was Saturday morning. And the, that's not... And I, Okay, I'm, I'm making an argument that I don't know exists. But if it does, uh, people need to remember that at that time... Uh, everything that was a hit ended up getting a Saturday morning cartoon. And, you know, some of them were better than others. Uh, you know, the, sometimes all it took was, was you know, the, both the Jackson 5 and the Osmonds had Saturday morning cartoons. The Beatles had a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, uh, the Six Million Dollar Man had a Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, and I think it lasted about half a season. You know? <laughs> It was pretty much, if you know, Planet of the Apes had a Saturday morning cartoon, for God's sake, um, as well as a, a live-action TV series. Uh, so dissing something because it was on as a, as a Saturday morning cartoon 
in you know looking at it from nowadays where cartoons cartoons exist in a different uh a different section of pop culture now than they did back then uh because i I, you know saturday morning doesn't mean anything anymore in this age of of video on demand and and you know my daughter has not has, has never seen commercials uh, you know, we we cut the cord when she was an infant, so she has she almost never watches uh, commercial TV. When she goes to visit her grandparents and commercials comes on, come on, she literally gets angry. <laughs> like the first time she's confused, then the second time it happens, she gets pissed because her show's been interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think maybe people that are that are dismissive of the animated series. Uh, may not realize that it wasn't a, it wasn't like a a, a a demotion for the show. If anything, it was remarkable that a show that had been canceled uh, four years prior was suddenly getting a revival on Saturday morning TV. Doubly yeah. so, considering season three and its time slot. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, okay. Now, there's another thing. <laughs> that I I, uh, I I have opinions you may have noticed. Um, that's another that's another mindset that we are applying from this end of the time frame that doesn't necessarily apply to, to Star Trek TOS. It I never saw TOS in uh, broadcast order. So whereas like with TNG, uh, DS9 definitely, Voyager and and Enterprise and now especially. Uh, uh, discovery there was a progression from season one to season two to season three etc etc even though tng uh and ds9 for the most part were episodic there was still you could point out differences from seasons one two and three um so it's very easy to say that all of the worst of tos came from season three but that's not necessarily true um and and all of season three of TOS wasn't garbage either. Some of their best stuff came out of T- oh, season three I as know, well. I know. I know. Um, I mean, and I'm, and I'm not same boat. We, we we don't think it's half as bad as it, nah. it's it, it, it's, it's portrayed. It's as Simon, as Simon brilliantly puts it. It's it's uh, got it's got, got really good ideas done badly, just due to just, just unfortunate circumstances of that time. Again, uh, messages from our friends over at Mission Log, as ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Tholian web has always been one of my favorite episodes, and that came from season three. Um, now, granted, you also got Turnabout Intruder in season three, and Spock's brain, and uh, although Spock's brain is again gets more flack than it deserves, um, it's not by any means a good episode, but it's a fun episode. It's it's just fluff. Um, it could have easily been an animated series episode. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Uh, actually, it might have worked better as an series episode. <laughs> um, but you know, if you are inclined, or, or if you're a Star Trek fan and you've never seen the animated series, and you haven't seen it out of disdain, as opposed to just it's you know never had an opportunity or never considered it, I urge you to watch it. Um, it's it's on net at least in the states it's still on netflix as far as i know uh, i'm not sure when it's available our, same is outside it? of pond but yeah. i believe i think i saw it a few days ago um it's 22 episodes each 
each one is 20 minutes long. You can get through it in you know no time. Uh, but watch it with an open mind and an open heart. Put put on your idic necklace <laughs> and just think about the situations we've we've laid out here today. How Star Trek was languishing in syndicated hell. People were loving it, but they were, we weren't getting anything new. Uh, the network was kicking themselves for canceling something that was more successful than they had any idea, but they couldn't afford to bring it back. Uh, and think of it as kind of the life support system that kept Star Trek alive long enough for investors to realize, hey, this, this property could make, still make money. Let's do something more with it. You're going to find new Trek before... Um, January comes around, so you might as well watch some TS. Yeah. yeah, perfect time. And you know what? Let me add this one little bit. If you are a TOS fan and you've never watched TAS, think of it as, and you don't have, this isn't even a, 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 you don't have to think of it as, this is 22 episodes of the original series that you've never seen. I would kill to find TOS that I've never seen. You know, when I talk to friends of mine who are just now watching Star Trek and there's still stuff that's new to them, I envy the hell out of them. Because I know every TOS episode, backwards, forwards, upside down, inside out, I know, you know, it's, and that doesn't take away from my enjoyment. But like when the Roddenberry Vault DVD came out, I couldn't wait to get my hands on it because there would be stuff in there I've never seen. And it's just a little bit. I mean, it's like an eyedropper's worth of stuff, but it was so cool to see it. And here's 22 whole episodes of the original crew doing stuff on the original ship and the, with the original writers and not the original directors, but uh, it, it, yes, some of it's silly, but, you know, so was TOS. So, you know, I don't think there's anything in the animated series that's more painful than Move Along Home <laughs> or, uh, or And the Children Shall Lead. Um, don't fair episode. <laughs> Uh, or, you know, half of the stuff in season one of TNG. So what do you got to lose? Very good point. As you say, as Simon said earlier, as if it's, and you well, both of you guys said, with some of the stuff that's, as you said, that was brought up later, said the fact that Jane, uh, Kirk's middle name, that came from the uh, TAS. The holiday mm-hmm. came from TAS. Well, that's now considered canon. So, you know, why not consider the animated series actually as canon as well? So, yeah. But, yeah, definitely. I said, I, I, I think... I thought all three of us would said recommend it if you haven't tried it or you think, oh god, no, I don't want to watch this. Give it a go; you might surprise yourself. And there's pink tribbles. And there's pink tribbles. There's a lot of pink. Yeah, there's a lot of pink. Yeah. We'll get past pink tribbles and that was it. That like eighty foot spot, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's anything else we want to mention or talk about. I think we've, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Not too bad, Leon. Yeah. Considering, I say, not quite a lot to say, but I think we found it and somehow. Yeah. So it's, a TAS episode is very difficult to try and plan for because it's like not much to play with. And that's why halfway through you'll hear that point where we've gone, um, now what? Um, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, it's, I think it's something you got to watch. I think it's just something that you can't just dismiss. Just, you know... It, like we've been saying the whole way through, you just can't find excuses for it. Just go, oh, it's animated, oh, no reason to watch it. Why? Come on, that's no excuse. Go out, buy it, watch it. It's on Netflix. 
just click the button. Yeah. I mean, it's it's also out on Blu-ray, which I, I, I'll admit, I don't quite see the advantage to putting cartoons on Blu-ray. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would buy... St- I, I haven't gotten it yet just because I keep forgetting it's there. But, uh, you know, I love the extras. I, I live for extras on Blu-rays and DVDs. And uh, uh, I just watched the, uh, the, the making of documentary that's on the, the, the Blu-rays last night because it's on YouTube. <laughs> so, um, and, I, you know, I, it's so great listening to the people that made the show, the ones that are still alive anyway, uh, the, at, the, the love they still have for it. There's no one going, oh, yeah, I made that piece of crap. <laughs> um, you know, Dorothy Fontana, to this day, is still such a booster for Star Trek. Mm. Uh, and I just love listening to her talk about her involvement with it because she was, you know, she was involved since before day one. She was Gene's secretary when he was still on the lieutenant. So, you know, there is no one alive today who has been as involved with Star Trek as as Dorothy Fontana. And uh, uh, if I love. They didn't believe in it. They wouldn't have made it. Exactly. Because the the hurdles they had to jump over to get that show made. Uh, because in the 60s and the 70s, science... Okay, here, here's, a, here's a good good way for y'all to get a, 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 the flavor of what they were up against doing science fiction in the 70s. The Oscar for Best, Pick, Best Visual Effects in 1976 went to Logan's Run. Now, I, I love that movie. It's a very fun movie. But if you look at the, the, the effects from that... It's uh. <laughs> your reaction yep. says it all. <laughs> um, and then one year later, George Lucas revolutionized the special effects industry with Star Wars. Um, but in 1973, uh, you know, cardboard cutouts, and you know, we're like one step ahead of, of Buster Crab with like sparklers in the back of a a, tie, a, a pie plate. So. You know, they were up against so much, and it would have been so much easier for everybody involved in Star Trek to just go, ah, screw it, I'm going to go make cop shows. Um, but they didn't. They believed, and they fought, and regardless of whether you think the final outcome, the, the final product is worthy of being Star Trek or not, they every episode of those is a labor of love and is worth giving a chance. Yeah, yeah. Vote for Star Trek the Animated Series next time you <laughs> you get the chance. I think we've I think we've tried the best to sell it because I think it's like it's it's meant to be an anniversary celebration of the show and kind of and yes the title's not what kind of the shows end up being something different but I'm glad that we've been trying to convince you all to go and see it if you haven't already. I think that's I think that's where the best way we could probably do on these shows as I was saying earlier. It's just kind of from our point of view, it's very difficult. When you've got seven seasons or something, it's very easy to come up with ideas for. When you've got, what was it, 22 episodes? It's mm-hmm. very difficult to try and create content rather than, why is it being forgotten? And what, at least anniversary show. It's very difficult. And we'll, we'll keep putting our thinking caps on, but I, I don't know when we'll do another animated <laughs> show. But, I, you know, you listen to any Star Trek podcast. You know, you don't see animated series come up that often, but 40th anniversary is kind of... You can't really get away from it, and I, I couldn't wait until the 50th. <laughs> <Tell> the reason <laughs> is that. 
We'll do that on the 50th. No, so let's just do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try and think up something for then, but God knows what that will be. But we'll find something. <laughs> but it's just, it's just such a good watch, and I I'm, I was just a bit disappointed because I was planning to rewatch it before I before we did the show, but I didn't get around to it. But I think it's on my rewatch list. Although Jamie told me before we started this that I've now got to go back. And, well, it's, it's not a chore, but I've now got to rewatch Discovery. For our retrospective that we're doing, when did you say, Jamie? End of October? Uh, no, start of October. Start of October. That then, then. So I've got to watch that, and then hopefully I'll go back and watch animated or something, or a mixture of the two. I don't know, but I, it's on my watch list because I've watched Talon the DS9 recently. So yeah, I don't know. I just thought I'd tell you all. <laughs> Star Trek owns me at the moment. <laughs> Actually, when I've started watching through Voyager, so I've, I've got a lot of Dano wires. I've, cause I was, I've been meaning to go back to the original series because I've not watched it in so long, but it's just, I put on Voyager one more. Let's just watch Caretaker. And I thought, oh, let's just watch it through some, about almost halfway through two. <laughs> so, yeah. But so, my series is on my list, though. So. Yeah, and we all recommend that you watch it if you haven't already. Yeah. So, Otherwise, we know where you listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, where can people find you or Starbase 66? Uh, well, you can find us at uh, simplysyndicated.com, where Starbase 66 lives for the moment. Uh, and uh, I'm on a few shows over there, uh, including The Seven Chevron, which is my Stargate SG-1 episode-by-episode uh, review show, um, as well as the, uh, the, the... We haven't really come up with a name for it yet, the new... Simply Syndicated Movie Quiz Show, I think, is kind of our placeholder name until we come up with something better. <laughs> uh, also, I'm on Twitter as uh, Admiral Mar- ADM Marius, um, and uh, also Starbase 66 on Twitter. Um, they will be added to um, our Follow Friday list, so go to that thing on the Fridays when I can be bothered to do it, and you can find them that way. And um, you've also got Thank the Makers podcast out as well. That's oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that one's kind of in in a bit of limbo right now, uh, but it will be coming back very soon. Good to hear it. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll try and put as many links as we can into stuff and places and things Absolutely. to find it. But don't find them. I don't know. So when. It's, we've come back from a hater, so we don't know quite what we're doing. I don't know what I'm doing, doubly <laughs> so. I've never known what I'm doing, so it's, uh, it's fun. <laughs> but there's loads of places to find Rick and the other brilliant people over at Starbase 6. Well worth listening, because I think you've got a very good taste today, I think. And there's very there's some fantastic episodes out there. Um, like, we're a lot swearier I... over there, though. <laughs> well, a bit of a reasonism and it's a real discussion isn't it so it's fine and I say it's like real proper debates over there I say recent episodes was uh, your episode on toxic fandom which was fascinating and a lot of letting it all out in one go which is oh we got a little angry (laughs) (laughs) because that's been building up for a while I think so that was quite an interesting one and I I always look forward to it so oh another Stabby 66 episode Cross, I can't sell talk today. Start by um, 66. That thing. That um, thing, yeah. To add to my huge long list of episodes that I'm trying to catch up on, because I've 
been trying to catch up on podcasts since I came back from my holiday. Oh my god. It's like mission log. I'm out 30 episodes behind, so it's like trying to catch up on as <laughs> Not even catching anything else. Like, too oh too, my too god. many things to listen to or watch or whatever, and just not enough hours in the day. I'm trying to produce hours. It's like, dance. No! <laughs> <laughs> We need DS9 days, days, like 26 hours. That would probably be enough, but no. no. And it's fictional. <laughs> I'll get there. I will get there, but it's forever. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. There's so many brilliant podcasts out there that that's why it's a pain in, pain in the ass that it's like I'm so far behind. That's what I'm saying. I, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Just muttering. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that ends. I think that ends our first episode after our hiatus. Um, Not that you tell or anything. No. no. <laughs> so thank you, thank you so much for it for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's been an honor to uh, to come back and uh, anytime. Just give a shout. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll yeah, definitely, we're, definitely we're, have we'll you on again soon. Try and come up with something a bit more meaty next time, where we actually know what. <laughs> rather than the 22 episode series something a bit maybe I don't know an original series maybe that might be a good place to go maybe I don't know never heard of it neither have <laughs> I no what, is, what are you talking about but uh-huh. yeah but yeah I don't know carry on Jamie that's okay but yeah thank you very much for coming on um, Rick <laughs> And yeah, we'll be back soon, guys, with um, our next episode, which will be Kardashians. And so six be, uh... billion pages of research. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, <laughs> Thank guys. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, no problem. That's fine. That's fine. We told me the Bajoran one, I think the next year is going to be like even longer. So, I, d- yeah. I don't dare looking yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> to look forward to. Uh, Who for? What, them? Not me. Yeah. Uh, well, for them, not for you, no. no. <laughs> anyway, we hope you guys have enjoyed listening, and yeah, we'll be back soon. Bye. Bye. Live long and prosper. <laughs>